Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Before we get into today's Monday motivation, I just want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by The Tailored Trainer, which is our daily training app. So if you want workouts that are backed by science. They are proven to be effective through years and years of experience and thousands of clients and people and individuals just like you using these methods and systems in the gym. Uh, You can head over to tailoredtrainer.net or you can click the link in the description below and you can download the app on uh, iOS, Google Play, Android, all those kind of things. It's everywhere. Um, It is the shit for lack of better terms. I'm super pumped about it. We just launched it and if you want access, you can get it for less than $1 per day. Once again, that's tailoredtrainer.net or you can click the link in the show notes of this podcast to get access to our daily training app. Without any further ado, let's get into this week's Monday motivation. So today we're going to switch it up just a little bit. Um, This is quote unquote Monday motivation, but instead of doing the typical Monday motivation, which usually involves me going through my journal, going through something I read this today or something I thought of during my meditation or whatever it may be. And uh, I honestly, (laughs) I don't think people realize this sometimes. I actually just come in the office. Uh, it's it, it's always in the morning. Right now it's about 8 a.m. Uh, I try to get here before Travis does so I can just have the room to myself and just really just <laughs> spit fire, if you know what I mean. That's I mean, that's the first thing that came to mind because uh, I'm a hip-hop fan. But basically, get on the mic and just rant. Like, I just have some thoughts. I've been journaling. I've been meditating. And, and usually I do this once a week, sometimes twice, if I really got some fiery things to talk about. But you know, after a full week of, of meditating every day, journaling every day, reading every day, going through life every day, leading a team, being an entrepreneur, talking to people in social media, doing all these things, I usually sit down and I have a whole lot to say. So I usually have one powerful lesson, but I figured I would change it up a little bit. Now, although this is still going to hopefully motivate you, it's more of an informative and educational podcast that I'm going to give you today. So instead of the typical rah-rah, I'm going to just yell into the mic and get you amped up. I want to teach you um, seven specific things or just open your eyes to seven specific things that will actually allow you to look like you lift. Now, I did a post on this on Instagram, um, and you can head over to Instagram and see that, but I only did four because truth be told, uh, I could only fit four for what I wanted to say. I could have just listed all seven, but I wanted to give descriptions for each. So today I'm going to do that. I'm going to give you descriptions on each one, but... The reason I wanted to do this is because, you know, lately what what I've been doing uh, as the, I always feel weird saying this, but the CEO of Taylor Coaching Method as the CEO of the company, you know, my role has changed quite a bit and, and I still coach people. I will always coach people on training and nutrition because I absolutely love 
coaching and I will still mentor people on business and life because I absolutely love coaching. But more than that, my job now is to educate the masses through this podcast, through the Instagram, through the YouTube, uh, through my newsletter, um, which you can sign up, link in the show notes, <laughs> head over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com for a lot of free value there. Uh, it's to coach my coaches on how to do their job better. It's to mentor other coaches. It's, it's, it's really like it's being a marketer, you know, it's, it's selling this brand. It's, it's, it's creating this vision for this team to be led by, um, and it's amazing role, but one of the things that I wasn't doing a lot of before that I'm really focused on this year, it's one of my big goals of 2021. And what I've, I've learned as a CEO is, is crucial to the success of a business becoming a large business. Because let's be honest, my goal is to make this massive. I want to reach as many people as humanly possible. And I want my coaches to change lives around the world, which they're already doing. But how big can we scale that to? You know, how many lives can we touch? And, and if we, if we touch those lives effectively enough, how many lives will those people touch? And then it's the spider web of, and snowball effect, you know? Um, but what I've realized is that I need to be in touch with my members more. So part of my role now, which is like, honestly been my favorite part of my job is, is getting on the phone with my coach's clients. It's emailing my coach's clients. It's sending gifts to my coach's clients out of the blue. Um, it's, it's asking them to fill out an interview for me. Like, let me buy you some Starbucks and, and, and I want you to answer these questions over the phone or on this form if you don't have time for a phone call, so on and so forth. And, and doing this so I can just learn more and more about people. And it's, it's still taking, I actually just had a, a, I had a strategy call right before I got on this call and I had one yesterday. And, you know, taking a sales call every day so I can talk to somebody that's applying for a coaching. And, and it's always cool when I talk to them because they're like, wow, like I didn't, I wasn't expecting to talk to you and I listen to your podcast all the time. And, and that's a humbling thing for me to hear, but it's just so rewarding and fulfilling when I get to impact somebody's day like that, you know, and I try to do as many of those as I can. Um, and for those that I can't, like it's bound to happen sooner or later. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. So even if somebody applies and they end up talking to one of my coaches, which is who, who they might be working with anyway, which if the, you talk to the coach on the phone, that's who you're probably going to be working with for sure. Um, at some point you're going to talk to me too. And I tell everybody that's a member, like, email me anytime. Like my coaches get my, the first priority in my email inbox. And then after that comes any of the members, right. And then comes, I'm sorry, podcast listeners, uh, Instagram followers, people like, like sponsorships, trying to sponsor the podcast, stuff like that. Those all come last because the most important people are going to be my team and then my members. And the only reason my members come after my team is because I need to lead my team because they're impacting my members, right? So it's, it's, and there's far less of them (laughs) than there is members. It's easier to answer them. Um, but it's been really cool. And one of the things I've learned during this process is actually who we are working with, you know? And so a lot of these podcasts going forward and in my newsletters and things like that, they're going to be so much more specific because, I've just learned so much about the person that's coming to us. You know, like, why, why are you here? What made you sign up? What, what triggered you to want to sign up? What, what made you want to change? You know, like, why did you choose us? What were the things that stood out while you were with us? And like kind of diving into the details of that. For one, if you're a business owner, like it is the best way to understand your marketing, right? To understand your client. Because if you understand your best clients, then you understand who you're really talking to and who you're impacting the most. So my job is to go, okay, who are we creating the most change with and who is like really relating to us and understanding us and, and, and vibing with us. And, um, we do a good job at that. So it's the majority of our members, obviously, but now I can go even deeper and understand why. And then I can talk about it publicly so I can reach the people that really need our help. And for you guys, even if you're not going to hire us, 
you know, because of course, this is a good marketing strategy to, to speak directly to you. So, you know, like when you're ready to change, we're the right people for you. But even if you're not going to hire anybody, it's still going to impact you more because I understand where you're at now. So that all being said, one of the things I've been learning about um, my members is that a lot of them struggle with this one specific thing, right? And that one specific thing is looking like they actually lift. So I've heard this countless times. I've heard this saying of like, you know, I'm working my ass off in the gym. I'm sweating. I'm training. I'm grinding. I'm going to these classes. I'm going to CrossFit. I'm doing whatever. I'm doing all these things, right? And uh, I don't look like I lift. You know, I'm, I'm tracking my macros. I don't look like I'm lean. I'm following a good diet. I don't look like I'm following a diet. I'm eating really healthy. I don't look like I'm lean and healthy. Like it goes on and on and on, right? And it, it boils down to this. You work hard. You put a lot of effort into this. Yet you're not reaping the reward. You're not seeing the result, right? And today, I want to share with you seven things that you need to have in place that are backed by research in order to see change and to actually look like you lift. So if you're an individual who knows you work hard, you got the work ethic, you got the drive, you have the vision, you have the goal, but it's just not showing. You want to see the results more. This podcast is for you. I'm going to show you exactly what you need. And yes, a lot of them are things that we directly do for you. We help you and that's part of our coaching, but I'm going to coach you through it right now. And this applies to both training and nutrition. Um, but they're very general things, right? Uh, really, they apply to life, if I'm being honest, like most things. But these are specific to training and nutrition, especially training, but also nutrition. So the first thing that needs to be said or covered is going to be patience. I know that's not what you want to hear, but at the end of the day, the number one thing that you need in place, which, yes, is backed by research and backed by science and experience, in order to look like you lift and to achieve the physique that you've been working your ass off for yet haven't quite gotten there yet for God knows why, you don't, it's because you're not patient enough. So many people program hop. So many people diet hop. So many people coach hop. So many people are afraid to go through a maintenance phase. And I'm not talking about a two-week period and then go, okay, I think I'm ready to diet again. I feel good. It's like, no, 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 no. A maintenance phase. Spend three months at maintenance, right? When we look at people who have amazing physiques on Instagram because we all do it. And as much as I want to tell people, stop comparing. It's why I don't take a lot of pictures with my shirt off because like, and, and honestly, I should more because I should do it more and then talk about what it actually takes to get there, you know, and I'm not shredded by any means, but I'm, I'm, I'm lean and I do have a good amount of muscle. Like I feel pretty damn good about where I'm at, but I've been training every week for 10 years, over 10 years going to be 11 years soon, right? Since I was 18 years old, I'm going to be 29 this year. That's almost 11 years of training every single week. Was there a time where I didn't train? Of course. I went on a week-long vacation, uh, maybe twice throughout the whole period of time. Usually, I trained in the hotel gym, <laughs> and uh, I got injured a couple times. So, the injuries were really times where I had to take some time off. But point being, basically every week for a decade, right? So, it, it takes time. Now, I know people who have way better genetics than me, so they've done the same thing I've done, but for five years, and they look like a Greek god, and good for them. That's amazing. But it still required patience and self-discipline. Nobody got it in a 60-day transformation or a 30-day transformation or a 45-day transformation. I, f I literally cringe at transformation contests, you know, and, and as a marketer, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea because if I put on a transformation contest and I get 100 people 
to just start doing something. Like that might inspire them to continue afterwards. It might inspire them to create change. Might just be another crash diet for them. But like there's this 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 part of my integrity won't allow me to do it because this just takes time. It's a lifestyle. You need to be patient. And none of this will work if you're not patient. It takes time. So before you step into any journey and you go over the things that I'm going to go over and you dial in the things I'm going to go over and you create a plan and you hire a coach and do all these things, you need to mentally prepare yourself to be patient. Because truth is, six weeks takes patience. Because you have to follow the plan for six weeks straight. Week after week, day after day, consecutively, six weeks. That takes time. And it's not easy. It takes patience. Anything that requires time and self-discipline and effort is going to require a massive amount of patience. I don't care if it's 30 days or 30 months. It will take time. So you need to step into this with patience and with understanding that this is not a quick fix. And the truth is, and I talk to people about this all the time, I would rather, and I should probably do a whole podcast on this. I wrote a post about this and, and it'll probably go out next week. I wrote a whole bunch of posts the other day when I was just fucking on fire in Google Docs, <laughs> just writing things out. Um... But the guide to recomposition, and I actually thought of this because of what I've done. I took a break from the diet because of life stress, to be completely transparent with you guys. Um, some things that I'm, I'm not going to share on the podcast, uh, all is well, we're not dying, but you know, there's things going on in my life, and business is busy and crazy, and we've had, uh, you know, we had to get some new hires, we had some, uh, a couple people leave the team, um, on good notes, like it was just part of you know, evolution as a business. But it requires work and it requires stress. And, and I'm six months into a diet and I haven't yet really felt the fatigue. But the minute the stress of my life started to creep up, I kind of started going, I think I'm going to start feeling this diet real soon. And I know we're at a plateau. We're going to have to adjust and drop calories or add more cardio or both, probably both. So I was at a plateau. But I also stopped and was like, man, like I spent a year bulking and I've spent six months cutting now. And I'm leaner than I've ever been at this weight. I'm leaner than I've ever been at this weight. That's a good accomplishment. Maybe I'll stop here and then I'll come back to it. And that's what we decided to do. And I think that's truly the recomposition plan. And that's, that's patience, right? I spent a full year building muscle and I got heavier than I've been in five years. I got up to 185 pounds. I haven't been that heavy in so long. 5'9", not that tall. 185 pounds. Then I cut to 175 pounds, which I'm at right now. Last time I did a photo shoot, I was at 160 pounds. And I was pretty lean. If I got to 160 pounds right now, I would be ready for a bodybuilding show, which says a lot about how much muscle I built. Because at 175, I have never been this lean. Usually I'm this lean at like 170, maybe, right? So I'm stoked. But what if I do this? I pause now because I still feel good. And I take three months of a, of a diet break, of maintenance. I bring up my calories a little bit. I think I added like 40 grams of carbs. I didn't gain any weight from it because I'm still not at my old maintenance. I'm at my new maintenance, quote unquote, from the diet. I'm going to stay here, feel good, train hard, love life for three months, not gain any weight because of it. And then I'm going to jump back into a deficit and get shredded when my body's healthy and ready. And then I can create a deficit going back to where I left off, but it's going to trigger a bigger response than it was because the metabolic adaptation has had time to kind of dissipate and recover. And that would put me at two and a half years if I did this with a three to, let's say I did anywhere between three to six months of a maintenance phase, that would put me at two and a half years to get to where I wanted to be. But where I would want to be is going to be 10 times more sustainable, right? I'm going to be leaner than I've ever been at a sustainable manner because any other time I get shredded quick, 12 weeks, let's get shredded, do a photo shoot, right? That's great. But I don't keep that shredded. We know that. So if you have patience, like to me, 
And I did the math. I think I posted about this a while ago too. Like Google it. What, what's the average lifespan of a human being in, t- in 2021? It's 79 years old. At least it was last year. I don't know if it's changed. 79 years. 1% of that is like nine months or something like that. 1%. So if I take two and a half years, that's taking maybe 2% of my life, entire life, to create the ultimate physique that I can sustain and stay healthy with. That takes a, a lot of patience, but a lot of intelligence, emotional intelligence to be able to sit back and go, man, like I could get shredded in six months and do a photo shoot and post on Instagram and love it. Shit, to do good for my business and motivate my clients. I'd look great. It'd be awesome. I feel shredded. Or I could take way fucking longer, do it the right way, and then I can just live shredded realistically. Am I going to be bodybuilding ready? Of course not. But super lean, six-pack visible and sustainable, absolutely. More sustainable than I've ever had it? Absolutely. Takes patience. So anybody listening to this that you're going to step into a fat loss phase, you're going to step into a muscle growth phase, I just want you to have a really good patient frame of mind before you do it, right? Doesn't necessarily mean you need to be like me and go, I'm going to spend two and a half years doing this. Like, I get it. That's a long fucking time. You don't have to do that. But go into it with like, I'm going to give this six months. I'm going to give this a year, you know? Even if you're like, I only have five to 10 pounds to lose. Okay, cool. You'll get there in three months for sure. But go into it like, I'm going to take six months to do it. I'm going to take nine months to do it. I'm going to spend a year doing this. And that's going to include the diet to get you down five to 10 pounds. It's going to include the diet breaks along the way. It's going to include the reverse diet. It's going to include the maintenance plan. It's going to include the education. And by the time you get to the end of your journey, you're like, wipe your hands clean. I'm good. I'm lean. I'm healthy. I'm not deprived. And I know how to do this now. Because I was patient. And when you're patient, you learn skills for life. So I went a little bit longer on that one. Take a little drink of Rockstar. Then I planned on it, but uh, it's a really important one. That's why I did it first. On another note, random side note. If I got any sugar-free Rockstar friends here, uh, let me know if you're pissed that they took the, the classic sugar-free Rockstar off the shelves. They're not selling it anymore. The new sugar-free Rockstar sucks. I was pissed. But I was in Seattle getting tattooed yesterday, and I popped into a Walgreens to grab something to drink. And I saw that they still had some stock, and I grabbed a ton of them. <laughs> and I was, like, walking down by the tattoo shop with a bag of Rockstars. It's like, man, I had to grab them. <laughs> they still had them at this little little tiny Walgreens in, uh, in West Seattle in uh, White Center. They call it Rat City. It's not a good area. But um, they had them, so I grabbed them. Uh, if there's any Rockstar fans, you're probably pissed with me. And they took away the sugar-free mocha at Starbucks. They're taking away all the best diet drinks. It's kind of pissing me off. But completely side note. So rule number one, principle number one, thing number one that you need to have in place before you dive into any physique goal, patience. That's the number one thing. Number two is metrics. You don't know what you don't track. You can't control what you don't track. You can't adjust what you can't track. And if you can't control, adjust, or predict anything, you're not going to get results. You can't, you have no idea where you're going. If you want to save for a family vacation, save money, you need to create a budget plan. What are you spending money on? What are you not spending money on? How much are you allocating where? How much are you saving? What accounts do those go in? How much is the trip? Can you find better deals for flights? All those things require budgeting. Well, if you're trying to get lean, if you're trying to get healthy, you need to know what kind of foods are you taking in? How many calories are you taking in? When are you eating your meals? You need metrics. How many meals a day? What kind of, uh, how much protein are you eating per meal? 
which Lisa just wrote an amazing blog on protein timing. If, if you want to read about less leucine threshold and how to optimize your meals, link in uh, the description or head to slash blog. Amazing article. She is a, such a good writer, but you need to know how many meals you're eating, how much proteins in each meal. Are you going to have carbs? Are you going to have a high carb diet? Or when are you going to place those, those starchy carbs around your workout? Right? Are you going to do inch workout carbs? What kind of supplements are you going to take? How many supplements are you going to take? Right? Like, I mean, the list goes on. What's your weight? What's your weight loss progression that you want? What is your biofeedback? How many hours of sleep are you getting? How many steps a day are you doing? What weights did you lift in the gym last week? Are you following a double progression method? Like what, I mean, you need to track these things. And some people look at it and they're like, that's so neurotic. And it's like, okay, but I ask this simple question to anybody listening to this. Do you want to be successful? Most people say yes. Okay, then you need to track metrics. Do you want a successful relationship? Yes. Okay. You need to track metrics. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you need to, to really build awareness and take some notes on how often do you appreciate your wife? How often do you give him or her a gift? I shouldn't just say wife. There's a lot of women listening to this podcast. Your husband, your significant other, your partner, your friend, your family, whoever. How often are you appreciating them? How often are you giving gifts? How often are you doing things from? How often are you checking in on them? How often are you doing any of these things? Your kids. How, many, how much time are you spending with them? You need to track those things because numbers build awareness. Metrics create awareness and awareness precedes change, which means if I can't see how many hours, it's the same thing with your phone. I am so much more present and spend so much more time with my daughter once I figured out that you can track how many hours you spend on social media and you can block how many hours you're on there or you can block times a day. I just felt pathetic. I was like, whoa, I am way too fucking sucked into this. In fact, my good friends, uh, Sam Miller and Brad Jensen were giving me shit because they saw me share something on Instagram. They're like, bro, why are you on Pinterest? And I love Pinterest because Pinterest, nobody follows me. I don't follow anybody. There's no business marketing for me on there. There's no comparison. I literally look at trucks, tattoos, and fashion, essentially like shoes and clothes and skateboarding, just random shit that I like. And I just scroll through. I'm like, this is just cool stuff. No judgment. Right. But point being back to back to what I was saying, those metrics taught me how to avoid distractions and be more present with my daughter. Metrics are the key to success in any fashion. So if you're trying to achieve a goal, you need to know where your macros are at, where your calories are at, how many meals a day you're probably eating on most days. Doesn't mean you can't be flexible and change that up throughout the week, but it does mean if you have a plan and a routine, you're going to be more consistent. There's actually some health markers that improve when you have that consistency uh, for your circadian rhythm and things like that. Blood sugar, insulin levels, all those kind of things improve when you have a set meal routine. Um, But what's your weight? What's your sleep? What's your steps? How much weight are you lifting in the gym? How many reps are you doing? Like, you can't progress anything, your, your body composition, your strength in the gym, your diet, your relationship, your, your financial success, right? How much money are you investing? How much money are you using for marketing? How much money are you paying for, to, for education? How much are you getting paid? How much are you saving? Everything. You need metrics for success, period. And success includes physical results. Number two, or I'm sorry, number three, because number one was patience. Number two is metrics. Number three is repeatability, One of my favorite phrases that I stole from Jason Brown, good friend of mine, random workouts equal random results. I love that saying because you can't just go in the gym and do random shit and expect great results to come from it. You just can't. It just doesn't work that way. What you need to do is have a periodized plan with progressions built in. And I'm going to talk about those later on. But the point is, is it's repeatable, right? So, This one applies more so to training than nutrition. However, I think it does apply to nutrition because 
you know, people will say like, hey, we adjusted my macros and I didn't lose weight this week. I'm like, that's fine. We didn't repeat it enough. What? I need at least two or three weeks before I make an adjustment. One week doesn't do enough for me. One week doesn't tell me the whole story. One week doesn't tell me if your body's not responding to something. Really, it doesn't. So we need to follow this for two more weeks because usually what happens is, yeah, week one, you're stubborn. Week two, you start to see a little progress. Week three, you drop a couple pounds. Week four, you're continuing to drop like a slow rate. And now it's like, God, thank God we didn't jump the gun and adjust on week one because you'd be eating even less and getting the same result, which goes back to step one. Be fucking patient. It takes time. And trust the coach. But repeatability, right? If you want to stay consistent with your meals, pick a meal. I eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch every single day. Dinner's the only thing I change up because Shannon likes to cook. She doesn't want to eat chicken every single day. So we have chicken, then we have steak, then we have pork, and then we have broccoli, and then we have asparagus, then we have green beans, then we have Brussels, and we change those things. It's really easy for your macros to just change those out. But my breakfast and lunch stays the same. Why? It's easy. Repeatability allows me to stay consistent period. I know I have good energy with these meals. I know that I'm sufficiently uh, energized and have enough nutrients in my body for my training in the mid afternoon. Like I I have all my ducks in a row. Like this is what I need to do to get where I want to be. And I'm going to repeat it over and over and over again, because that's, what's going to get me there. Right? So repeatability for training, random workouts equal random results. You can't do something different every single week and expect to see a, a positive result. You need a plan. You need repeatability. Like, this is the whole idea of linear progression, right? There's a muscular adaptation that only occurs from a specific repeatability. So when people are changing things every week, you're not going to build a lot of muscle. There is some, not evidence, but there is some anecdotal proof that you could potentially switch the compound lift every week and build strength from a neurological perspective that will adapt because with that, it's actually could be somewhat safer because if I did like a front squat every week trying to build my max, at some point I'm going to get like fatigued, potentially injured, uh, burnt out from that front squat because I'm doing the same exact thing over and over again. That's why you need to deload. However, the conjugate method would say like, hey, since we're going to max efforts, like we're, we're trying to get close to a one rep max every single week, let's change that compound lift. So it goes front squat, Anderson squat, Zercher squat, box squat, back squat, and you're, you're rotating them because Number one, if you're doing it for one week, you actually can't get to your 100% maximum true potential because you haven't had enough weeks building into it, which some would say, hey, that limits your your strength gains. Maybe, but the other side of it is you're definitely going to get within 80% of that one rep max. And we know from a neurological perspective that getting within 80%, ideally 90% of that one rep max is going to give you the same strength result and turnover as going 100% of your one rep max would. So the fact that you're not quite getting to 100%, but you're able to push it to a very high intensity and do it every week without injury might be a good thing. But if we're trying to build a skill of lifting, we need repeatability because it's motor patterns right? You need to be able to have your nervous system get accustomed to the specific movement and demand you're providing and get better at it over time, which means I need to back squat every single week. I need to front squat every single week. I need to sumo deadlift every single week for at least three weeks, if not up to six weeks, then change it, right? And usually follow a linear progression with this, which I'll get to here in a bit. But that repeatability allows skill acquisition to accumulate. And when that accumulates, motor patterns develop, you get stronger in that movement pattern and you get better at it for muscular adaptation. So if your goal is to build muscle or it's to, to burn fat, like let's say you're a female, you're like, I don't want to get a bunch of muscle. I want to lose fat and look, look tone or athletic. 
you still want hypertrophy training. You still want to create hypertrophy because you're not going to get jacked. You are going to get that tone look you're after. If that tone is not really a thing, we know that. But I know what you mean when you say tone for those of you who say it. And you do need that repeatability. You are after muscle growth. You're going to have to diet for fat loss and train for muscle growth. And that's going to give you that physique that you want. I promise. I've worked with enough people to know this. And the repeatability effect is the same thing. For hypertrophy to occur, we need to apply a stress and then repeatedly apply that stress to the body over and over and over again in order to allow it to create adaptation to the stress. So it's that repeated stress that allows our body to repeatedly try to adapt to it. And when it repeatedly tries to adapt to it, it grows from it. Because imagine this, you, you, you do sets of eight on uh, Bulgarian split squats. Great. They're hard. They're challenging. Kind of fuck you up. They're, you're sore. Blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Then the next week you do reverse lunge. Okay, great. It's another new stimulus of breaking down. Muscle damage doesn't equal muscle growth. It's, it's part of the journey to get to muscle growth, but muscle growth happens from mechanical tension and stress accumulation over time, right? Which requires a repeatability. So instead of me doing something, getting super sore and then doing something different and continuing to get super sore the next, next week and then keep repeating that pattern. Let me do something week one, get super sore. Week two, get less sore. Week three, I'm not sore at all. Week four, I've mastered the movement and able to add weight and progress on it. Week five, if I'm still doing it because I can still progress, great. Week six, can I progress? Yes, keep doing it. Once you realize like, I don't think I could add weight to this or add rep, now I switch the movement. But that's four to six weeks of repeatability that allows muscular adaptation to occur. Um, the, uh, the Scientific Principles of Hypertrophy, a really good book that uh, Mike Isertel just wrote for Renaissance Periodization, talks a lot about this. The specificity of hypertrophy training or body composition training requires repeatability. You need to repeatedly create that stress on the body for it to actually understand what you're doing and adapt to that stress. And guess what adaptation is? It's building new or rebuilding old muscle tissue, which is the act of muscle growth, which is the act of body composition changes. So repeatability is absolutely key. And I think, you know, the problem with CrossFit is CrossFit is a sport of randomness, which is actually really cool. It's fun to watch. I like it. But if you're, if you're after body composition changes, that's not going to be the best route. You need repeatability. And for some clients, I do it on three-week blocks. For some, I, I, personally, I like four-week blocks. I think that works the best. Um, sometimes I'll do uh, four-week blocks with compounds, and I'll do uh, like two to three-week blocks with accessory work or isolation because – you know, bicep curl is a bicep curl. You're not going to progress that much. So if you want to change your bicep curls up every couple of weeks, that's totally fine. Or your lateral raises or your leg extension, stuff like that, totally fine. But anything that you can add strength progression to, uh, compound lifts, dumbbell bench, seated cable row, uh, dumbbell reverse lunge, uh, front squats, things like that, like main accessory works, you should stick with those for three to four weeks and allow repeatability to take place so you can progress them and build muscle from them. All right. Uh, patience, metrics, repeatability. Number four, we got stress demand. Um, and, uh, and number five, I'm going to kind of couple these together, stress demand and recovery, because both of these equal one thing, which is adaptation. So, um, four and five are stress demand and recovery. Stress demand is kind of what I was just talking about. If you don't apply enough stress to your body, then you're not doing anything, right? You're not really creating enough stress for your body to even adapt to. Uh, which leads to, into recovery. If you can't recover, then your body can't adapt. So now you're stressing it enough to adapt, except you're not fulfilling the, re, the adaptation process, which requires recovery. And now you're just burning out and overtraining and breaking down without building back up. And that's, an, that's a recipe for injury, central nervous system fatigue, lack of motivation, uh, failing to be consistent, so on and so forth. So you don't want to do that. But if you don't create a big enough stress on the muscular system, on the body or the nervous system, your body's not going to have to adapt. And if it doesn't have to adapt... 
you're going to stay the same. It's pretty obvious, right? Which is why you, you should be tracking RPE or RIR. I had a client in the, uh, a member in the Taylor Trainer asked me just yesterday, like, hey, can we put percentages of lifts on every, on all, like most exercises? Because that's way easier for me to gauge than uh, RPE or IR. It's hard for me to think like eight RPE and go off of it. And what I told them is I was like, hey, we're going to have percentages on some of the programs for our compound lifts because it helps give us a North Star. But I would encourage you to really, really focus on RAR over RPE because if RPE is difficult for you, RIR allows you to gauge it a little bit easier for most people. Thinking RPE 8 and RIR 2 are the same thing, but RIR stands for reps in reserve. So if I know I have two reps in reserve, it's pretty simple. I'm going to go until I have only two left in the tank, like gun to my head, two reps left in the tank, and I'm going to stop. That's an easy concept to grasp. We need that because it builds awareness of our intensity and effort percentages aren't always going to be the same because if our recovery isn't at full capacity, if we're not ready to push our limits, we might not need to hit 80% of our one rep max. Rather, we need eight RPE, which might be the same thing on a perfect day. But if it's not a perfect day because you had lack of sleep or whatever, then it might be 70%, but your RPE is still there. And that's all that matters. That's going to avoid injury. Um, And this allows you to stay within the intensity range, the effort range that pushes you for actual progress and growth. We know that you need to be within three RIR or seven RPE, basically leaving one to three reps in the tank at most in order to really stimulate the body to change. So this RPE and RIR system allows you to gauge that properly and effectively reach that point, right? So um, this is stress demand. Stress demand needs to be there. We know that it's obvious, right? And RPE and RIR are the ways you gauge it. Now, recovery is the process and the act and the tool that you need in order to allow adaptation to occur from that stress. So you don't need to recover if you don't stress the body, but if you don't, if, if you stress the body and don't recover, you won't adapt. And the whole point of doing all this shit is to adapt and get better and get bigger and get stronger and get leaner and so on and so forth. So Recovery means you need to be getting seven to nine hours of sleep. You need to be drinking enough water. You need sodium in your diet. You need to be eating enough food. You need to be taking days off in the gym. You can't be training every day. You know, some people can get away with six days. Others need four. You need to be aware of what your body can recover from. And you need to put a lot of effort into this. Do mobility, do tissue work, go get a massage. You cannot just infinitely push and push and push and grind and grind and grind and expect to get results. It just doesn't happen. All right. Now we have uh, six and seven, the last two. Um, six is challenge, which kind of applies to stress demand. But you got to challenge yourself, right? You need to be in that, that eight, nine, 10 RPE, that one, two, three RIR, zero, one, two RIR, really, right? You need to be pushing yourself. And if you don't have a challenge, you're not going to be building grit. You're not going to be building self-discipline. Like one of the best things that you can try to do is get a training partner. I don't care if you're training at home, if you're training in a gym, whatever you're doing, like, Fuck, sign up for the Taylor Trainer with a friend and go find a gym that you can train at. But the point is, is you lift heavier with a, with a partner because when you have a spot, you're like, you know, I can keep going because he's not going to let that crush me, right? And, and then you get three extra reps than you thought, and you're like, whoa. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been doing squats, and I've said, this is my last rep. This is my last rep. Oh, no, this is definitely my last rep. I think I got one more. Oh, I got one more, you know? And, like, I'm supposed to do three, and I do seven, and I'm like, okay, what what's going on here, right? And it's because... Sometimes it's hard to gauge your RPE. It's hard to gauge failure. But number one, if you don't push yourself and go to failure, you will never know what RPE to use. You'll never know what failure really feels like. And I think everybody should go to the gym, pick an exercise that's safe enough to go to failure with and go to absolute complete failure so you can feel what it feels like to completely fail a lift because that teaches you how to gauge your intensity and effort. 
But that challenge only happens if you decide to challenge yourself. You need challenging workouts, right? If your workouts are fun, that's great. They should be. I talk about it all the time. You should enjoy your workouts. But if they don't challenge you, if they don't push you, if you don't get a little nervous for any of your training because you're like, fuck, this is going to be brutal, something's wrong. You're not training hard enough, period. You need that challenge. And there's so many people that are confused why they don't look like they lift or why they're not getting the results they expect. And it's because they don't train hard enough, period. Right? An 8 RPE doesn't sound that hard because it's a couple reps shy of failure. An 8 RPE is fucking hard. <laughs> it should be hard. Like I said, gun to my head, I have two reps left. That's hard. You need to train hard, period. Last one is periodization. And I could do a whole podcast on periodization, so I'm going to keep this one brief. You need to have a plan, plain and simple. If you don't have a plan of what this training program is going to map out to be, if you don't have a plan of what this diet is going to evolve into or progress with or map out to be, then you are not going to get very far. You might get results in the short term, but at some point it's going to plateau and you're not going to have a plan for when it does plateau. You don't know what your next steps are. You don't know how to keep progressing. You need to understand what progression is. How are you going to add weight over time? Can you add weight by keeping reps the same? Do you need to drop reps as you increase uh, load and weight, which is, which is a classic linear progression. Volume drops, intensity increases, right? Are you going to do a reverse linear periodization where you're adding reps, keeping weight the same? Are you going to do a double progression where you have a rep range and you're trying to add reps within that range until your block is over? So if you start with three sets of eight, but the rep ranges call for eight to 10, and by the end of it, six weeks later, you're doing three sets of 10 with that same 100-pound dumbbell, that's a huge progression, right? So, so how are you progressing? How are you periodizing that? Um, how long are you going through phases? And this is, again, not to make this a, a sales pitch to the Taylor trainer, but this is why the Taylor trainer is so great. People are like, what do I do when the program ends? And it's like, my goal is for your program not to end. It's like, what's your goal? I want to look better, okay? You want to build muscle and burn fat. Cool. How many days a week can you lift? Four days. Perfect. Pick this program. Never change your program. I'm like, what? Well, what, what happens when, like, my, I need a sensitization phase? What, what happens when I need a deload? What happens when my body gets too used to this and I do need to change it up so that I can recreate the new stimulus? That's already done. The programs will have that in there. So you don't have to worry about that because everybody's body is going to have that, that effect at a certain point, right? Some people, it might be 12 weeks. Some t- people, it might be 16 weeks. Some people might be 14 weeks, but it's always going to be within that range. I would say that you need to switch things up and it's always going to be within that four to six week range that you need to deload. So if I automatically plug in deloads along the way at about when everybody needs it and, and I plug in these sensitization phases where we switch things up completely and then bring you back to what you were doing before. So your body keeps responding well to it about when everybody needs it to make sure I'm ahead of the game. You don't have to do anything, right? So that's why the Taylor trainer is so amazing. But the point is, is that's periodization periodization needs to be in place. Progression needs to be in place. You need to know ahead of time. What will I do with this program? How will this program pan out? How will my diet plan out? How long am I going to be dieting for? If I go to a maintenance phase, how long will it take me to transition into that and reverse diet? How long will I stay in that maintenance phase? What's after the maintenance phase? Do I go into a gaining phase? Do I cut again? Periodization is the art of planning. It is the scientific term for making an in-depth plan for your training and nutrition. And if you don't have that, you need to get it. So you either need to study up and do it yourself. You need to hire a coach. Periodization needs to be in place. You don't need to overcomplicate it, but you absolutely need a plan, right? So to run through these seven principles that are going to help you actually look like you lift one more time, we have patience, 
metrics, repeatability, stress demand, recovery, challenge, and periodization. If you lock in those seven things, you are going to be absolutely crushing it, and I can't wait to see results. Once again, guys, this podcast is brought to you by The Taylor Trainer. If you want to get access to that, you can head over to taylortrainer.net. If you love this podcast, please leave me a five-star rating review. Take a screenshot, share it on your story, tag me. I love you for listening. I appreciate you for listening, and I want to thank you personally in the message. So I will talk to you guys soon next time. Thank you.